And now, The Mentors, one of the most popular and unique shows on the radio today. Each week, one of our four remarkable CEOs, including Tom Lord, John Phillips, and Rick Brutico, will challenge your thinking about life and work. Sought after for their success and for consistently putting people first, treating employees and customers with respect, and helping others succeed, now these same CEOs, the mentors, want to help you achieve your highest level of profitability, success, and personal fulfillment in life, at work, and in business. Now, here's your mentor. Welcome, I'm Tom Laurie, and I will be your host today. Thank you for joining us. Today, our guest mentor is Dr. Ming Wang, a remarkable individual who survived China's cultural revolution, faced the deportation to rural China for a life of hard labor, and with the slimmest of chances, made it to the United States. It is really living proof, he is really living proof of the American dream. He also, in his life of challenges, underscores what we see so often when people are oppressed, suppressed, and not willing to grow and become all they can be. When they do, they have a tremendous, uh, and they take advantage, they have an opportunity, and they take advantage of it in giving back. Dr. Wang received an MD from Harvard in medicine, a PhD from MIT in laser physics, which is really unusual to have those uh, two uh, degrees, uh, high-level degrees. And he has become a world-renowned eye surgeon who has now performed over 55,000 procedures, including 4,000 on his fellow eye surgeons. He's received numerous awards and accolades for his achievements, his philanthropy, as well as for his musical uh, tastes and or musical uh, interests and ballroom dancing. Today we're going to talk with Dr. Wang about the most difficult of transitions anyone can make when they leave the country of their birth for another country that is uncertain and unfamiliar. I have worked with over 6,000 people since 2001 who have struggled with the transition from job from one job to another or from one career to another. I've always believed that we have much to learn from those who immigrate to the United States and have overcome the many barriers that were in their way to achieve success. And success is not just financial success, but success as a human being. His autobiography, From Darkness to Sight, A Journey from Hardship to Healing, is presently being made into a movie. Join me in welcoming Dr. Ming Wang, who is on the phone with us from Nashville, Tennessee. Ming, it is truly an honor to have you with us today. Let's get started with a little metaphor. And the metaphor is the soil and the tree. Tell us about that. I think um, we, we usually, as human beings, first of all, it's an honor, Tom, to be on your show. And I'm uh, touched by the fact that you would spend the time and effort you know, as a, bis- a successful businessman and uh, a God's man, to devote time and effort to this very important topic of uh, mentorship, you know, to um, create opportunities for folks who have gained some experience in life to share with others, particularly young people, so they can learn. I appreciate the opportunity to be on your show. Regarding your question about tree and soil, um, uh, I think it's interesting that most of us see the trees. When we see someone who has done something in life, we see the accomplishment, we see the trees. But um, the important thing here, I think, is has to do with the soil. And that is, what it actually gives rise to the tree. And very often that uh, a human being has accomplished something in life, it's because um, they have, have gone some experience in life which is challenging, that have really dug the deepest in their soul the inspiration, the drive, the need sometimes to survive. And it's those soil which is less glamorous, but yet much more important foundation. And it's the, the, the soils, is the cause that actually give rise to what everybody else sees as the tree, the accomplishment. With that, let's start talking about the soil from which 
your tree grew. Tell us about your early life and then the uh, how things were turned upside down with the Cultural Revolution, which uh, you called yourself the Cultural Holocaust. Give us an idea of what it was like in China when you were growing up. Yes, um, thank you. Um, I grew up uh, in China during a tumultuous time called Cultural Revolution or Cultural really, Holocaust from 1966 to 1976 for 10 years. Uh, the dictators in China decided the best way to keep on dictating is to keep people ignorant. And the best way to keep people ignorant is to actually and actually to destroy the future of all the young people by shutting down all universities and colleges of entire China and forcefully deported every single high school graduate to the poorest part of the country and condemn each one of us a life sentence of hard labor and poverty. So I grew up in a period of time when I was 14, 1974, I finished my ninth grade. Uh, I was a straight student because mom and dad always taught me study hard, study hard. That was the way to get out of poverty. So I was a straight student that made no difference. When I finished my ninth grade, I got kicked out of school and I faced with this devastating fate of deportation and hard labor for life. In order to avoid that, I stopped playing a music instrument and started learning dancing because it turns out that if you can play an instrument or if you can dance, you might be able to get into what they call the communist song and dance propaganda troupe. If you could do that, you might be able to be exempted from deportation to labor camps, being allowed to stay in the cities, because communist governments still need musicians and dancers in the cities. It's interesting to give a perspective. You know, these days in, here in America, Sometimes friends come and talk to me and say, oh, Ming's so nice. You have a hobby. You can dance. You can play a music instrument. Nice to have these hobbies. And uh, what I tell them is I didn't learn these music or dance as hobbies. I learned it at the time to survive. So I tried everything. All failed. And my fate was deportation, labor camp for life. Not just me. 20 million others during that 10 years of cultural holocaust, 1966 to 1976 in China. Then 1976, the dictator died. So all of a sudden, China realized what a tragic mistake it has made by having the Cultural Revolution for 10 years. They stopped the Cultural Revolution. They reopened all the colleges. And that was the time when my life took a dramatic turn for the better. When... We, we return, we're going to come back with Dr. Ming Wang, the author of From Darkness to Sight, A Journey from Hardship to Healing. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. With more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. feelgreat.vip to learn more. Ugh, Bob, I'm so frustrated. Sorry to hear that, Sarah. What's going on? I feel like I'm spinning. I I make goals to make money, work less, spend more quality time with family. But the truth is, I never actually achieve these goals. Year after year, I try to do things differently, but ultimately nothing changes. What's the point? Yeah, I did the same thing until I saw a friend completely change her life in less than a year. I was shocked. She sounded just like you a year ago, but not anymore. Wow, what'd she do? 
She decided to work with a Brian Tracy certified coach named Christoph Nauer. Certified by Brian Tracy? He must be good. Even better. He guarantees results. He listens. It's very customized to you. Wow, that gives me hope. As a listener of the Mentors Radio, you get a free one-on-one Take My Time Back session. Don't wait. Go to balance6.biz. That's balance, the number six, dot B-I-Z to book your free assessment. Balance6.biz. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I am with China-born Dr. Ming Wang, who escaped to the United States with $50 and a Chinese-English dictionary, and today is one of the top eye surgeons in the world. Ming, we were talking in the last segment a little bit about what was uh, life like in China as you were growing up. Tell us about your family, your mom and your dad, your grandfather, and the influence that they had on you and helped shaping your life and your values. Thank you. Um, yes, um, my grandfather, my father's side, uh, they were a family long lineage of doctors. My great-grandfather was a doctor in the Qing Dynasty, you know, over 100 years ago. And then grandfather, my father, they were doctors. Uh, however, so they instilled in me when I was a kid, the grandfather and my father, the um, importance of knowledge. Um, my father always said that knowledge is so special because human beings have painstakingly taken hundreds, if not thousands of years to accumulate all this knowledge. As a student of knowledge, you can learn, and just think of what a privilege. You can learn all that, um, you know, as a student. So I developed this appreciation knowledge as a kid. However, during Cultural Revolution, I was mentioning that the communist government shut down all universities and colleges and deported all the students to the countryside. So I was denied the opportunity to... uh, to, have, to learn about knowledge. Then I had the opportunity to be able to come to America uh, as a poor student with only $50 and uh, an English-Chinese dictionary, knowing no one in this country, but with a big American dream. So I gained the freedom to learn, to learn knowledge about uh, from human uh, you know, humankind accumulated knowledge. So I appreciate so much the opportunity to learn. And the other long-lasting um, impression and uh, education I, I was brought up in the Eastern family in China is that you know the the the, the three pillars of Confucianism, which is um, that teachers are to be respected; they are the carriers of knowledge. Seniors are to be respected because they have been there, they have done that, they have lived longer life, they have wisdom. And the final pillar of Confucianism is oneself is to be respected. Uh, doesn't matter what one does, carries a stamp of what one is. So uh, do a good job, be proud as a human being by doing a good job in life. Now, when you tell a little bit about the story about how you ended up in the United States and then tell us a little bit about because this is really the heart and soul of what I want to get to the things you had to overcome coming from the east to the west that's that's not just a journey in miles uh, that's a journey um, across millennia if you will from uh, one world to another yes 1982, uh, with $50, um, as a very poor student, I arrived, I was dropped at National Airport, Washington, D.C., uh, with a Chinese English dictionary, knowing no one in this country. It was a big American dream. And um, I didn't know anyone, and I had to learn quickly to survive. And I remember that um, the only food I could afford in the first few days were McDonald's, you know, just a few dollars. And then I had $10 for clothing. And I, the only way to do it is I went to Salvation Army and got a trash bag of old clothes. 
But I, when I put it on, it was funny. Everybody laughed at me because those were the um, clothes that people here wore like 20 years prior. So, you know, bell bottom uh, pants and takiyaki shirts. So it was really uh, turning into a yuppie. And uh, so it was a very funny, but in, uh, it's very hard uh, beginning. But um, because I have the freedom, I appreciate so much that the freedom here in America to be able to study, to excel. So I got enrolled in um, a PhD program in laser physics, and I studied science and technology. And then I wanted to go to medical school because I want to be like my father, my grandfather, um, to be a doctor. So I um, made an appointment uh, with the head of Johns Hopkins uh, Medical School. Um, I met the director of the mission, and it was very uh, unforgettable experience. And he looked at me, he said, where are you from? I said, from China. He said, why are you here? I said, I wanted to find out how could I apply for medical school in this country. He said, you're from China. Okay, he said, let me tell you, it's very difficult even for American students to get into medical school in this country. You're from China, I don't know what kind of um, quality of education and if you're capable of handling that. I would say, don't even waste your time. He just walked out. So that was uh, one of my earliest experience of uh, racial discrimination, you know, that they're judging someone based on how they look rather than actually knowing what they could do. So that actually energized me. I said, you know, I want to study real hard. I want to get into medical school in this country to prove to not only for my own future, but also to prove people like him uh, this admission director is wrong. It's wrong to discriminate against people because their skin color and ethnicity. So I studied really hard for this exam called the Medical School Medical College Admission Test or MCAT, and that's the only test I can prove that I'm capable of attending medical school in this country. So I studied very hard. I ended up being able to score the highest that year in. In, in this country. So I got into Harvard Medical School and the Johns Hopkins both. And then when I, one day I got a phone call from someone, I picked up the phone, it was the same person, director of admission at Hopkins. He said, oh, this is Ming Wai, yes. Uh, we offer you the mission and high scholarship in our history. You still have not said yes. Um, I said, I got your mission appreciated. I got Harvard Medical School as well. I'm trying to decide. And he said, at Hopkins we respect the talent the most. I should have told him that huh. it was the same Chinese student sitting in front of him a few months prior that he just discriminated and dismissed me because how I look and my ethnicity. He would have learned something. But from the, you know, the Oriental Asian tradition of respect for teachers, as I mentioned earlier, I did not tell him. Recently, I was put together autobiography, which, as you mentioned, is now being made into a major motion picture now. So in the process of making the movie and putting autobiography together, I thought maybe I should contact that professor. At least he can learn something, <laughs> you know. So I actually searched and found out, unfortunately, now this is, you know, two, over two decades later, he has already died. So I guess my, the, you're right, Tom, that it's not just a, a physical challenge, financial challenge, language challenge, cultural challenge as an immigrant, as a poor student, but also um, a challenge to emotion and spirit. You know, when you have to start not at zero, you actually have started negative, you know, when you immigrate to this country not having anything. And I work with many people who are from other countries, and I, it, for me personally, it's hard to understand how somebody puts... Uh, characterizes people by how they look and everything. As a matter of fact, I laughed when you were talking about going to getting old clothes. Uh, one of the trends today in the country is people buying old clothes. As a matter of fact, JCPenney is setting up a part of their department store where they're going to recycle old clothes. That's kind of become a fad. I thought you'd be interested <laughs> in that. But I'm curious. See, I can't imagine. I just can't imagine what you had to overcome. What how did you persevere? What did you rely on? Where, where was your source of strength? And I and I know when you first came over, you weren't um, uh, a Christian. That's something that came later. But where, what what happened when you first came over that allowed you to work through all of this? Uh, my inspiration probably came in terms of working hard uh, over the years. It probably came from two sources. One was I, I became a Christian later. 
So prior to that, my principal drive is to gain the knowledge and to study because I think the drive came from the experience of one thing, once having nothing, have no opportunity to excel in school despite being a stray student, got kicked out of school after ninth grade, has to face with this devastating fate of labor camp for life during China, uh, during Cultural Revolution in China. So, um, well, let's let's come back. Let's come back to that. We're gonna have to take, cut to a break, but let's come back to that right okay. where you're at now. When we return, we're with Dr. Ming Wang, the author of From Darkness to Sight: A Journey from Hardship to Healing. This is Tom Laurie, and this is the Mentors Radio. A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org, oathbook.org. Here at Mentors Radio, we've been working hard to help you succeed in every way possible. That's why we're proud to let you know about our newest find, BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com links you to a credit processing company, Cornerstone Payment Systems, that truly shares your ethical values and that can give you lower rates immediately. They don't just say it, they prove it to you. Their commitment to ethical behavior is rock solid. For example, unlike most other credit processing companies, something you may not have known before, Cornerstone refuses to process any porn-related business. They're not newbies either. The company we recommend has more than 50 years experience and provides 24-7 in-house support. See what they can do for you today. Go to BetterCreditDeal.com. That's BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com. Ugh, Bob, I'm so frustrated. Sorry to hear that, Sarah. What's going on? I feel like I'm spinning. I I make goals to make money, work less, spend more quality time with family. But the truth is, I never actually achieve these goals. Year after year, I try to do things differently, but ultimately nothing changes. What's the point? Yeah, I did the same thing until I saw a friend completely change her life in less than a year. I was shocked. She sounded just like you a year ago, but not anymore. Wow, what'd she do? She decided to work with a Brian Tracy certified coach named Christoph Nauer. Certified by Brian Tracy? He must be good. Even better. He guarantees results. He listens. It's very customized to you. That gives me hope. As a listener of The Mentors Radio, you get a free one-on-one Take My Time Back session. Don't wait. Go to balance6.biz. That's balance, the number six, dot B-I-Z to book your free assessment. Balance6.biz. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I'm with Dr. Meng Wang, who came to the U.S. with $50 in his pocket in a Chinese-English dictionary. And today, he is one of the top eye surgeons in the world and has built a world-class clinic to help people who are suffering from vision problems, regardless of their income level. Meng, when we were uh, talking in the last segment, we're talking about what, talk some more about what got you through those very difficult times when you came into this country and the discrimination and obstacles that were thrown your way. Yes, I think my inspirational drive probably come into two phases as I look back. One phase was before I became a Christian, and the second phase is after I became a Christian. Uh, I became Christian while in medical school. Uh, before I became a Christian, my primary drive was just the uh, appreciation of the freedom, the freedom to be able to study 
And in China during Cultural Revolution, I was stripped, I was denied the opportunity to learn, to study. So when I opportunity did come after I came to this country, I was not allowed anything to distract me. And uh, pretty much like the character in the movie, God's Not There, you know, it was interesting studying science and science only, because I want to learn the foundation of human knowledge. And influenced by Asian, you know, Chinese upbringing, the knowledge is sacred. So that was the principal drive. I would say the drive to work hard is from the experience of once having nothing. The second period, after I became a Christian, then I drive, I think it uh, have changed and have further developed into um, not just appreciation of the freedom that we have in America, the freedom to pursue an education, the freedom to create um, opportunity for himself to be happy, but also that what is the purpose? After I learned all the science and technology or the medicine, what is the ultimately the purpose of these knowledge? And that came from that inspiration in terms of finding out the purpose of what I'm going to use this knowledge and medicine for. That came from the understanding, appreciation, the learning, and the recognition that, that there's a creator in Christ, and Christ wants us, all of us to do good with our lives, to help um, fellow human beings. So I realized in terms of what is specific for me, I realized the purpose of when I study all these science and technology, you know, I got two doctor degrees, one doctor degree in medicine, one doctor degree at Harvard Medical School, and one doctor degree in uh, laser physics, and finishing my postdoc at MIT. So what is that knowledge for? I realized that God wanted me to use that knowledge to help those who need the most help. And that's why I created a foundation to help blind orphan children, you know, with all the doctors who donate our services. So I would say, in summary, the drive, the motivation uh, for me to work hard came from these two sources, appreciation of freedom in America from the experience of one's not having the freedom in com- uh, cultural revolution in China. But furthermore, is the appreciation of God's blessing and grace that we should use the knowledge that we have learned, medicine, lasers, to do what God wants us to do. In my case, is to help those who need the most help, which are the blind, orphaned children. This is Tom Laurie. You're listening to the Mentors Radio Show, and today we're talking with Dr. Ming Wang and overcoming incredible barriers. So, since you brought it up, I was going to talk about it later. But since you brought it up, let's talk a little bit about your uh, your your work with the poor children and the foundation uh, that you've created. Uh, tell us about what what you're doing and what the foundation is doing. I. I realized as after I learned the medicine and lasers and start practicing as a practicing ophthalmologist, I realized that the barrier of care today in today's society is not just the technology. In fact, sometimes the true barrier of being able to have patients being able to benefit from these technologies and research and new development in science is actually the financial barrier, is that the, the many people cannot afford it. So what's the good for technology to be researched and developed and then many, a lot of patients cannot afford it? So I realized that it's not a question of just research and science, which I have spent a lot of time in working in research and science. I've published nine textbooks and I've eight U.S. patents for the scientific work. But more importantly is how can... I to do some to, to help those who could not afford these technologies. You know, in this country, we are having big problem healthcare. Our rising healthcare cost. On one hand, if you do socialized medicine, yes, can provide more care for more people, but at the same time, it can cause financial trouble. We may not be able to afford it. At the same time, if we don't try to help those poor and uh, underserved. I think it's a shame for the greatest country on this planet not being able to take care of its own citizens as such. So I think one part of the solution may not be the whole solution. Part of the solution is the charity care. So I started a foundation about 16 years ago encouraging Cuba doctors that we donate part of our services. And I found that if I can build correctly, meaning have... Um, you know, the inner city eye care clinic never run well because it's all run down, all the equipment, because nobody cares. What 
really drive a business process, private enterprise. So I realized the best way to do the charity care is not by creating independent charity icon because they're run down, nobody cares, but embed, embed charity care within existing private practice. So doctors seeing private patients, you know, 30 patients, maybe a few patients building it, hot charity care that who don't pay. So I start talking to doctors, and doctors say, okay, we'd like to do something. I don't have time to go to inner city, but I don't mind if you have a foundation arranged to have some, you know, foundation patient I see in the middle of my clinic who don't pay. I can, fine, I can do that as long as within, say, 5%. So we did that. And then later on, some doctors say, I don't want to suffer legal, potential legal trouble. What if these patients, you know, I do provide care, charity care, end up suing me? So then I overcome that barrier, finding that in the legal court, there's a legal cause called a good Samaritan law, meaning that if you provide charity care, you can actually help patients find something that they will never sue you. So all these structure settings, we basically set up a system for 16 years now that allow charity patients to be embedded within the private practice because then um, the, the private practitioners will be able to donate small portion of their service, less than 5% of the time, to the charity patient. And these patients in the gym public get the best care because they use the same equipment as in the private practice. This, these equipment will never go out of the day because private enterprise is the fundamental drive for business process. Mm. So Great this, idea. the charity care has been around for 16 years. We demonstrate it works very well for the eye, you know, at least in the specialty of eye. But I think... What well, the best is to energize, motivate everybody in the public care to, to contribute, to chip in, and at the same time, without inviting bigger government, without inviting bigger budget that will bankrupt your country. So the embedded charity care is what inspires me, and that's what I truly feel as a Christian. God wants us to not just work for ourselves, but to really think how we can, as a citizen of the world, to help others. So that part of drive to create a foundation and embed charity care over the last 16 years or so, that inspiration came from God, came from Christ. And how many people have you uh, served over that period? We take care of probably several hundred patients a year, and it's been around uh, for 16 years now, the foundation. And with all the doctors, we donate our services. And actually, speaking of dancing, I learned during Cultural Revolution, we have um, once a year an event, a ball, to raise money to help people see, and we call it the eyeball. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to come right back with Dr. Ming Wang, the author of From Darkness to Sight, A Journey from Hardship to Healing. If you have any questions or feedback, call anytime at 844-810-8255. That's 844-810-TALK. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. Hey, professional business women. I know how busy your life is. To look your best, nails matter. The good news is I can save you a lot of nasty, chemical-smelling nail salon time. Just imagine, a perfect manicure in just minutes, at home, even while watching TV. No dry time, no smudges, no streaks, and your new manicure will last up to 10 days, often longer. I'm talking about 100% real nail polish. Yes, real nail polish, including top and base coat, all in one, that can gently be stretched for a perfect custom fit. Gorgeous, vibrant colors, soft pastels, gentle glitter, or can't-miss designs and nail art. You have options. For about $12 a set, you can even get some free. Choose your colors or designs. Receive them in about three days. Done. Everything you need is included. Polish easily removes and does not damage nails. Check it out. Nailsforme.com. Nails, the number four, M-E.com. That's nailsforme.com. Hi, I'm the executive producer of The Mentors Radio Show. Usually I'm behind the scenes, but I want to tell you about something special. If you're an entrepreneur like me, you need steady energy and focus. Here's my secret. I rely on science-backed, high-quality, bulletproof collagen protein and other bulletproof products. My sister told me about it. At feelgreat.vip, you can learn the health journey of Bulletproof founder Dave Asprey. Find out what sets these products apart from the rest. Nothing can replace the advice of your medical doctor, but good nutrition can absolutely enhance your mood, energy, and focus like it did for me. The demands of business, not to mention important time with family and friends, make steady energy so important. 
with more than 1 million fans, 1 million fans, I'm not alone in recommending Bulletproof. Go to feelgreat.vip. That's VIP, like very special person. Feelgreat.vip to learn more. And now, back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Lauren. I'm with China-born Dr. Ming Wang, who escaped to the U.S. with $50 and a Chinese-English dictionary. And today, he is one of the top eye surgeons in the world. Ming, we were talking about your foundation uh, that you've formed to help people that are less fortunate. And I know that you've also brought in some uh, patients from other countries uh, who are blind, young children. And I just very briefly, because we've got so much to talk about, there was one uh, child uh, and the story, as I recall, is that her parents uh, put acid, maybe it was a little boy, put acid in the eye because they wanted the child to go out and beg and he needed to be blind. And he came back to the United States. Just very briefly, can you give us the, the story and, and the outcome with your, uh, with your institute? Yes, that's Kajal. That uh, we discovered her in the train station near Calcutta, India, when she was almost dying from starvation. She was four and a half years old. When she was four, a few months prior, her she was an orphan. Her stepmother poured acid into Kajal's eyes while she was sleeping one night, trying to make Kajal into a blind child singer who will get more uh, money from uh, tourists who can beg for money for, from tourists. So it was tragic. It was just a horrible act of, of violence. And the, the, the Kajal uh, was blinded intentionally both eyes as such, but then they found out that she had no talent of singing. So Kajal was abandoned in train station. We found her, foundation found her, brought her to America, and we got several families involved in taking care of Kajal. And Kajal just taught all of us her the kids that she was living with uh, in America and all of us is that even with such a tough life that dealt, she was dealt with, that such a tragedy have unspeakable crime that she still maintained her um, uh, positive attitude doing the best she could and in fact, five-year-old Kajal when she arrived in America, while well, all of us were devoting to help her see find a way to have surgery to help her see all she was focusing on as a five-year-old in her level of apprehension is she just want to learn how to sing because hmm. back home she was abandoned after being intentionally blinded because they found she had no talent singing so they could not convert her into a blind child singer who will get more money from tourists so when she came here all she wanted to do was to learn how to sing because Kajal wants to prove that she was worth keeping and where is she today um, we, um, she actually back, uh, is back in India now. Um, we, uh, the, uh, after her visa expired, uh, we, we actually performed surgery, didn't achieve any significant degree of success. That was another basic story, which is the damage is so severe. But Kajal was loved, cared for with the families here, make all the kids around her appreciate more what they have themselves in America. And then Kajal's visa expired, and she went back to um, India, but with a with a much more positive attitude and just more, um, it's a much happier person, despite the physical uh, disability that we were not able to restore her eyesight in this case, that she had, she went home with a good spirit and um, the last time I heard that uh, she's uh, growing up really well and uh, just a productive uh, teenager. Well, it's a great story. Thank you for sharing. And it's in the book. I urge everyone to grab a copy of the book and read about what they went through to try and save her sight and all the circumstances around it. It's just a terrific story. You invented uh, something that was very important, and faith was a part of your uh, inventions. Could could you share that story? Yes. You know, today's science and technology is so fast developing. Science and technology is transforming the way we live, such as iPhone and everything. So what do you do when science keeps on developing? It clashes with moral, ethical faith principles, such as macular degeneration, diabetes, 
glaucoma. These are three leading causes of blindness for patients over 65 here in this country. But uh, macular degeneration, for example, is very difficult to treat. And one of the key reasons is these are mostly aging eye conditions. So ultimately, to treat aging eye conditions, you have these young tissue, such as stem cell and fetal tissue. But what should we do? Should we use fetal tissue? Then how can we justify hurting a baby for the benefit of doubt? If we don't use fetal tissue, does it mean just we stop researching? Watching grandma losing sight, became blind, suffering from macular degeneration, diabetes, glaucoma, aging eye conditions for which ultimately the best treatment has to come from the use of young tissue. So this is a, represents a very typical dilemma in today's technological-driven society when technology unveils, bringing new possibilities. What do you do when it, clash, when it clashes with moral, ethical, faith principles? You know, so is faith and science friends or foes? And that's one of the things affecting all universities, you know, students studying science and technology. What should we do? And we encounter a problem in our corneal research. We're trying to help people restore their eyesight after their injury with a corneal scarring and blindness. And then we find that the kid, the fetus, unborn child, uh, does not scar. So how can you tap into the secret of scarless wound healing of a fetus without hurting the baby? So we were in a dilemma for years, and we couldn't, I did not want, I was a Christian already then, I did not want to hurt the baby to benefit adult at the same time. I don't want to stop researching to help adult. Fortunately, we did not give up. We kept on researching. Eventually, we came across this piece of tissue and near the membrane. Actually, there's some prior research, some doctors have done, so we kind of uh, continue to extend it, and uh, we invented the amniotic, the, the placenta, which is surrounding a baby before birth, and we're thinking maybe the secret of scarless fetal wound healing lies in the placenta amniotic tissue itself. So we start harvesting the placenta tissue from, uh, you know, after mother giving to a birth, the placenta is discarded anyway. We start bringing them to back to the laboratory, bioengineer the placenta amniotic membrane into amniotic contact lens, then put, on, put this useful amniotic contact lenses onto older patient's eyes and injured patient's eyes. And we find that it can indeed inhibit, reduce the amount of scar formation and restore eyesight in many of these patients. So we were very excited. We published the first paper in scientific literature in the world that demonstrating the amniotic membrane can reduce corneal scar in the animal model. And since then, I you know, obtained two U.S. patents on the amniotic membrane contact lens. So this is a powerful story. It shows that science and faith can work together. When the solution is not obvious, when they clash with each other, doesn't mean the solution is not there. We have trust. We have to trust God that he will show us the solution at the right time in his way. Fortunately, we did not give up the research of fetal wound healing, research to help you know, blind adult patients. We continue, we persisted. Eventually, God showed us the amnia, the sac, is the tissue he wants us to use that can benefit adult injured patients without hurting the uh, baby and can protect the sacredness of life. So... That's terrific. Well, we're going to continue with Dr. Ming Wang, the author of From Darkness to Sight, after the break. Like us on Facebook at TheMentorsRadio.com. You'll find all our show notes and links at TheMentorsRadio.com. This is Tom Laurie, and this is The Mentors Radio. Ugh, Bob, I'm so frustrated. Sorry to hear that, Sarah. What's going on? I feel like I'm spinning. I I make goals to make money, work less, spend more quality time with family. But the truth is, I never actually achieve these goals. Year after year, I try to do things differently, but ultimately nothing changes. What's the point? Yeah, I did the same thing until I saw a friend completely change her life in less than a year. I was shocked. She sounded just like you a year ago, but not anymore. Wow, what'd she do? She decided to work with a Brian Tracy certified coach named Christoph Nauer. Certified by Brian Tracy? He must be good. Even better. He guarantees results. He listens. It's very customized to you. That gives me hope. As a listener of The Mentors Radio, you get a free one-on-one Take My Time Back session. Don't wait. Go to balance6.biz. That's balance, the number six, dot B-I-Z to book your free assessment. Balance6.biz. 
A lifetime ago, young naval aviator Tom McGuire took the oath of allegiance to support and defend the U.S. Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Now a San Francisco PD homicide inspector, McGuire hadn't thought about the oath in years, but that was all about to change. A famous local newspaper columnist had been murdered. For McGuire, there's an eerie chill of recognition about it, hearkening back to his days as a prisoner of war after being shot down in North Vietnam. A lifetime ago, another young naval pilot took that same oath. Also shot down in battle, he too spent time as a POW, same camp as McGuire. After 30 years, their lives were about to cross once again. But how and why after all these years? Multi-award winning mystery author Dennis Kohler's The Oath can be found online or for an autographed copy at oathbook.org. That's oathbook.org. Oathbook.org. Here at Mentors Radio, we've been working hard to help you succeed in every way possible. That's why we're proud to let you know about our newest find, BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com links you to a credit processing company, Cornerstone Payment Systems, that truly shares your ethical values and that can give you lower rates immediately. They don't just say it, they prove it to you. Their commitment to ethical behavior is rock solid. For example, unlike most other credit processing companies, something you may not have known before, Cornerstone refuses to process any porn-related business. They're not newbies either. The company we recommend has more than 50 years experience and provides 24-7 in-house support. See what they can do for you today. Go to BetterCreditDeal.com. That's BetterCreditDeal.com. BetterCreditDeal.com. And now... Back to The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. Welcome back. This is Tom Laurie, and I am with Dr. Ming Wang of Nashville, Tennessee, who came to the United States with $50 and a Chinese-English dictionary, and today is one of the top eye surgeons in the world, and he also is the uh, head of IR eye hospitals in the United States. He's been working with them in China. And we just talked about a lot of the philanthropic work that he's done and how he created an interesting model to serve people who are in lower income levels and needing eye care. Now, Dr. Wang, maybe you could tell us a little bit about IR. I know it's got, what, 500,000 surgeries a year they're doing in China, 150 for eye hospitals and their goal is to create a thousand but you're now the flagship for IR in the United States what is the goal yes um, uh, for me personally as a US citizen uh, Chinese origin I want to do something to help America to my adopted country to keep America strong and we you know with China we are suffering we buy so much more than selling to China so we're losing jobs to countries like China. How can we get the job back to American soil? There are two ways. One is exporting goods to China. But that's hard to do uh, or increase rapidly because the labor cost in this country is just so much more. There's a second way. Most, peop- most of you don't realize. A much more efficient way of how to restore the trade imbalance, how to get jobs back to American soil from countries like China. That is to encourage top Chinese firms to invest in America, to build factories, in our case, build eye clinic, they're employing Americans. It's it, it just like Lexus, you know, uh, take Japanese investment and build Lexus factory in America and employing Americans. So I've been involved with the effort. IR is a Chinese-based eye group. Now has over 500 locations worldwide, 400 some in China, 82 in Europe, 18 in Southeast Asia, and Hong Kong, 8, and one in the United States. I'm in charge of the U.S. market. So over 500 locations, over 2 million eye procedures performed. It's the world's largest eye group based in China. So this effort that IRUSA that I'm in charge is to get uh, every bit of investment is come from China, from IR, but then all the money is used to build eye clinic here in America, employing 100% all Americans. So I think effort like this, taking 
investment from China to create American jobs here, in this case building ICON, is precisely something we want to see more because they're effectively getting jobs back to us, America, from countries like China. So you've uh, learned the Western way of uh business as well it's uh, <laughs> you've, yeah, you've yeah. overcome a lot so so we don't we only have a couple minutes left and one of the questions i ask all my guests is all the people you've met whether they're from china other countries the united states what is it about those people who are at greatest peace and happiness in this life what is it that they have that you see i would say one thing I have looked at many, many successful people, including um, somebody from my hometown, Hangzhou, who is now a billionaire, Jack Ma, who founded Alibaba. And they had the highest IPO in U.S. IPO history, 20 billion IPO many years ago, Alibaba. And I watched Jack Ma and others, and uh, I realized something, that in life, you know, you have subjective effort and you have objective outcome. If we depend our happiness on the objective outcome, sometimes, often we're disappointed, we're unhappy, because life is not what we control. But what's universally true of these great, successful people is their happiness depends not on objective outcome, but on their subjective effort. After they have done something, look back. If they fail, they have done their best. They are happy. So I think that's the key based on your happiness, on how much effort you put in, have you done your best, rather than if things you want to see happen, happen or not. That's a secret, to work hard, to have fun, and to be happy at the same time. That's terrific. That's a great way to close. That's it. We're out of time. Until next week, we will uh, see you at the same time. Our guest today has been Dr. Bing Wang, the author from Darkness to Sight, A Journey from Hardship to Healing. Thank you, Ming, for joining us. Remember, if you tuned in late, you can listen to this and past shows by downloading podcasts by going to our website, thementorsradio.com. When you're there, make it easy for yourself and subscribe to future shows. Thank you for listening. We will be back next weekend at this time for the next edition of the Mentors Radio Show. Until then, this is Tom Laurie signing off for today. Remember to be all that you can be and keep the candle lit for all who struggle in the darkness. It's been The Mentors, where remarkable CEOs challenge your thinking about life and business. To get more information about the program or a sponsor, to download a podcast of today's show, or to leave a question for our host, go to TheMentorsRadio.com. That's www.TheMentorsRadio.com. The preceding program, copyright CBJ, LLC. All rights reserved.